us be attentive. Brethren, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In these you once walked when you lived in them, but now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices, and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge, after the image of its creator. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave man, free man. But Christ is all and in all. Peace be with you, the reader. sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I go out and see it. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go to examine them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported this to his master. And the householder in anger said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and maimed, and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servants, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. For many are called, but few are chosen. 
good tidings. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Adrian's being totally blinded by the sun, but she's thankful at the same time. (laughs) So, the interesting thing about the season of the Nativity is that it starts on November 15th, because the fast starts on that day, but there is no specific liturgical elements in the cycle from November 15th until today that are specifically put into the church calendar to prepare us for the Feast of Nativity. It's not until the two Sundays before the Nativity that the church has any specific liturgical elements to help prepare us. Today, either between the 11th of December and the 17th of December, that Sunday is always the Sunday of the forefathers of Christ, looking at the Old Testament and seeing that the entire Old Testament points to Jesus Christ, that He is the center of every event and every text. And then next Sunday... The Sunday before the Nativity, we read the genealogy of Christ. And so we look at the very ancestors, the family of Christ, going all the way back to Adam. Today's different because it looks at all of the patriarchs and all of the prophets from Adam to John the Baptist. Next Sunday, it's all family members. And I want to just point out a few examples of where we specifically see Christ or His plan of salvation in the Old Testament. And in order to do that, you have to understand the word type or typology. And so I wanted to say just a couple words about typology because you're going to hear me say that word a few times. A typology is the idea that persons... Or events, persons like Moses, events like the Exodus, or even institutions like the temple. All of these can, within the plan of God, prefigure a later element that fulfills the earlier example within the plan of God's salvation. So here are some examples, and there are so many that it would take all day to talk about them. So I'm just going to name some of the uh, glaring most important ones. We'll start with Abel. Abel had a brother Cain. Abel was a farmer. He's also the first martyr and points the way that there will be many people who give their life in faith in Christ's victory over death, the resurrection. 
and that they are willing to sacrifice even this temporal life knowing that there is eternal life. Abel is the first that points out this reality. He's also a type or prototype of the Good Shepherd. And he is also an example of what genuine stewardship is. Because when he gave his offering to God, he gave his offering off of the first and off of the best. Melchizedek is another very interesting figure in the Old Testament. He seemingly is the king of Salem, but he comes from nowhere. He has no genealogy or lineage that anyone knows of, and yet he is a king. He is the type of the eternal priest, and he points to the high priesthood of Christ himself and is a type of Christ. Abraham is another figure that we see the plan of salvation working through. He is the spirit of faith. In Abraham we see faith in God that justifies him, that motivates him to leave his homeland and all of his family and to follow God wherever, to make God his exclusive God, not a God among many, but the only God. He is also a type of God the Father. He is the one that God makes the father of many nations. As many stars as there are in the sky, as many grains of sand on the seashore, He will be the father of many nations because of His faith. Isaac, His son, we see the spirit of sonship and of sacrifice. Isaac points to Christ and his own sonship. Isaac also points to Christ's future sacrifice on the wood of the cross. Because it was Isaac that carried the wood of his own sacrifice when he was, his father Abraham was being obedient to God. In Jacob one of the patriarchs, who we know had a twin, we see for the first time God's plan of free will and free election. We know that Esau was born first. But Jacob, because of his own free will, actually received the birthright, the inheritance, and the blessing. This was really unheard of until we see it happen in the life of Jacob. And that points to the fact that each of us, no matter how we are born, who we are born to, whether we are Jew or whether we are among the nations, every one of us can use our free will to freely choose and accept Christ and by our faith be grafted in to one of his sons and daughters, his spiritual family, and have salvation. In Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, another patriarch, we see types of betrayal, of passion, and of redempting and saving work through his own life. And we see this so perfectly fulfilled in the life of Christ. In Noah and the flood, we see the prefigurement of baptism, 
As the Hebrews passed from sure death at the hands of the Egyptians to life through the waters of the Red Sea, passing through those waters to safety and to salvation in the promised land. In every Old Testament prophet, and this is why if you were here during Orthros this morning or last night during Vespers, you heard hymns that literally were just naming the names of the prophets. In every single prophet, we see in their writings the very voice of Christ speaking through them. This is why we say in the Creed that He spoke through the prophets. Christ speaks in the Old Testament through the prophets about Himself and about what He is going to do in order to heal and to reconcile and to save the world. So we have prophets like David, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Joel, Micah, just to name a few of them. And we ask the Lord on this day, when we're remembering them, making their words a present reality in our own life, we ask the Lord to open our understanding that their message will illumine us and teach us as Christ opened the understanding of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I'm going to quote what Jesus said. O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then Luke says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And finally, because I don't want to list everything, I wanted to focus on the three youths, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're explicitly named, along with Daniel, also in today's hymnology, precisely because this Sunday can fall anywhere between the 11th and the 17th of December, and their feast day is specifically every year on December 17th. And so they get extra attention. And they deserve it. Because we remember that they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down and worship an image that was made to resemble the King Nebuchadnezzar. They had great faith, and they were steadfast in that faith. I want you to imagine, especially you young people, because Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were your age. I want you to think of the most powerful king who had at his disposal the most powerful army. And he told those three youths that if you do not bow down and worship this statue... I will kill you. Now they were young, like you're young. How many hopes and dreams do you have in your life looking forward? Hopefully you want to finish your education, you want to get married, you want to have children, you want to have jobs, you want to see your children's children, you want to go and travel the world, you want, you want to have life. You probably have a way more opportunity even than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. But nevertheless, they said, No matter what you do to us, O king, 
we will never ever bow down in front of your statue. And then he told them, I will throw you into this fiery furnace and I will heat it many times over its norm. And they said, you can do that. You're the king. But nevertheless, our king is not of this world and we will not bow down to you. And so in the fiery furnace they went. Now, these three men like the three angels that visited Abraham, represent the Holy Trinity. When they were thrown into the fiery furnace, it says, a dew came over them and protected them from the heat, from the flame, and even their clothing did not smell like smoke. This dew, the scriptures say, refreshed them. And we see in the dew the presence of the Holy Spirit overshadowing them like it overshadowed the Virgin Mary when she conceived and the second person of the Trinity entered into her womb taking his human nature from her flesh. We also know that they represent victory victory of faith over death. Isn't that what our Christian faith is all about? Faith over death. The world can do to us what it wants to. It can torture us. It can imprison us. It can take away our rights. It can even put us to death. But we will not deny Christ, no matter how difficult life gets. Because faith always triumphs over, victory, over death. And this is something that the three youths show us very clearly in the Old Testament. We also know that they were thrown into a fiery furnace, but not burned. The fiery furnace, for a second time in the Old Testament, represents a type of a burning bush. It shows us the virgin birth, which is so closely connected, obviously, to this feast of nativity. Because how can God, which is an all-consuming fire, enter into the womb of a young woman and not consume her? How could fire be around the bush of the Old Testament at the base of Mount Sinai and not consume it? Not even Moses could understand this great mystery. How could these three youths enter into this fiery furnace that literally consumed the soldiers who opened the doors to throw the youth in, and yet they could walk around it, refreshed by dew, come out of it unharmed and not even smelling like smoke? It is a type of the virgin birth to come, the nativity of Christ, which we will celebrate in just two two short weeks. These last words, they really shed light on why Christ comes into the world. Christ comes into the world because He wants to help us to overcome suffering. The last thing that we see in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
is that as the king is looking in through and seeing the fiery furnace and seeing the three youths walking around there having a good time, they see a fourth. A fourth walking with them who literally the scriptures say looks like the Son of God. The three youths were not alone. Christ comes into the world so that we are not alone. He enters into the midst of a suffering world that's filled with pain in order to enter into that suffering and enter into that pain so that He can end it ultimately once and for all. At every funeral service we say that we want to grant repose to the soul of the servant who has fallen asleep and grant them a place in paradise where there is no longer any sorrow or pain or sighing or suffering. And this is the meaning behind the Son of God entering into that fiery furnace with those three youths. Entering into our existence. Becoming a human being that we might be reconciled, that we might be comforted, that we might be healed, that we might be sanctified, that we might be deified, that we, because He became a man, might become gods by nature. Let us look at this feast day of the Holy Forefathers. Look at Christ's presence in the Old Testament and already begin to get excited and anticipate this feast that is coming up where we will celebrate God becoming with us that we might truly be with Him. Amen.